I didn't like crash someone's car, but I kind of broke it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like you crashed someone's kind car. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rooting Around podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm Alex. And I'm Ed. And this week we are talking about Alex. You guys haven't met. You've literally no, only just yeah. met. Um, Alex and I know each other through working on the Mongol rally. You were filming. Mm-hmm. Was that... So you filmed the entire Mongol rally from start to finish. Was yeah. that like your first adventure type thing? Um, no. I had done quite a bit of travelling before that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. How do you get into filming adventures? Uh good question i think i probably the main thing was i went to nepal when i just finished uni and um i volunteered and i basically just yeah managed to learn a lot of skills i think they're just like here i am with a camera can i make some films for you and that actually got me quite far initially and then um yeah i think the main reason i ended up getting the mongol rally job was purely because i had traveled and i was up for just you know, getting in a car with a bunch of strangers and just had, had a camera going for it. Yeah, just had a camera. Had yeah, was up for it pretty much. But yeah, had some some experience. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing. I would say at that Fair. point. So what what do you do? Um, so I am a shooting producer in documentaries now. So a lot of kind of uh, heavy on the science history. Um, and my main thing really as a producer is I find the people who are going to make a program interesting. So, yeah, it's sort of it's TV and film, but not not just that. But it's it's mostly, yeah, who, who's going to make this story really interesting? So it's finding those characters. Mm. That's kind of my main my main thing. And then occasionally I'm filming and occasionally I'm, I'm just like avoiding the camera because I, my head's always in the in the story. So, Fair. yeah, sometimes hard to be technical and, and editorial. But yeah mostly thinking about story finding interesting people to film what do you prefer doing do you prefer shooting or i like them both because i think it's good to have variety i like mixing up fair yeah fair so nepal what like so is that when you first had a camera and started making stuff yeah pretty much yeah so nepal i um i ended up just i think like i just set the scene so i'd kind of Finished uni and um, I moved to Australia and I, um, I kind of, I kind of hated it. So I sort of, I lived in Australia and I had this job working for a marketing company, and um, actually that's when I first picked up a camera. I kind of blagged that I could, I could film stuff, and I, I'd done a degree in film, but I didn't really know how to use a camera because it was a completely theoretical degree. Right, so yeah, I yeah. sort of, you know, I got this job at a marketing company and I told them, you know, I've got this film degree, and they were like, great. So if we get you a camera, can you make some films for the companies, you know, for the different clients we've got? And I was like, yeah. I can I can, can analyze it. Yeah. <laughs> so um so I never you know you kind of know the basics and I basically yeah figured it out and and got that job. Um but when I was living in Australia I sort of realized that I just I just it wasn't for me. It wasn't I didn't like the kind of culture I suppose. I just felt um it didn't feel like a good a good fit. It's hard to explain why exactly. I just sort of had this feeling that I needed to go to Asia. It's like, I'm going to go to Asia. That's where I feel like I need to, I need to go. Australia, it's quite a rough, oh, yeah. a rough culture there. Yeah. It's um, quite it's abrasive. It's really far from... Yeah, it, it's, it sort of felt, it felt very European, like a kind of, but, but in a, like, a, like a bad, like a worse version. <laughs> <laughs> Concentrated. <laughs> now, I've, I've kind of come out the other side with Australia that it's like, I used to think they were so brash, mm. but now... 
I really love it because of of the other places that I've been, you realize how reserved and yeah. uptight British people are. And then you go over to Australia and they're just like, they're like Spanish mixed with British people. Like, yeah. With, yeah, they're, they're, I, I love it over there now. Yeah, I think if I was to go back now, it would be very different. But I think yeah. at the time, and also I'm probably making a lot of judgments based on purely the people I worked with, who <laughs> are just like not the nicest people in the world. Where were you? In Brisbane. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, they were I quite like, they like were it. quite sexist. They were quite racist. They just like, I didn't get a good impression. I think I was quite young and just, I, yeah, I, I thought, do you know what? This isn't, this isn't what I need. <laughs> this yeah, is like, bail out. this isn't for me. Did you get called yeah. a pom a lot? I did. Yeah. I still maintain <laughs> that it's slightly offensive. I think it is slightly offensive. Yeah. I think it, it was definitely used in a slightly derogatory way, isn't it? But you say, I, I say it to Amanda and Aussies all the time that I was like, there is like a slight sting to being called a pom. Yeah. And it does make me think like, you know, proper, a bit stuffy, like, ah, fucking pom. Just... Imagine how it would be for me then if someone called me a pom and I'm not even from here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do Luxembourgish people get called? I don't know, but usually it's just... Space miners? <laughs> no, that's just you, because I don't think anyone else knows that. Okay, uh, But no, bank, like, just bankers, oh, you're made of money or stuff like that. You evade taxes, mm. whatever. I don't know. Comes with the territory, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's understandable, but yeah. It uh, definitely doesn't describe me. Fair. I pay my taxes. I'm just, just making sure. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. People, people know. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> I feel like I just I slated on Australia quite a lot there. I, feel I know like we, we do we we, we do it as well. It's America mainly. Okay. And oh yeah, we wail big, on America. Big, big, big bit on Australia as well. Yeah. I, I feel like I get a bit of a pass because yeah, I'm not sure if you've met Amanda before. Man, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I get a bit of a pass. Yeah, with you that. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's it's. It's, you know, obviously there are exceptions to the rule but as if I'm going to generalize that was my experience so anyway I um decided I need to like do something really extreme and I just thought I've always wanted to go to Nepal I don't know what I'm doing in my life let's just try and you know get something that I could make you know use my camera and just work and I found this volunteering gig and yeah it was really lovely I, I, it's probably my favorite place on the planet Nepal and that was like your first not wild place but like well it kind of was because I, I basically went I went sort of as extreme as you could go in that I lived in a really rural part in the Annapurna mountain range like kind of in the foothills um in a tiny village in like you know with with a Nepalese family and just like no internet just like completely oh, that's sick. when yeah. was this uh 2014 yeah, or twenty fifteen. Was it straight? Did you like board a flight in Australia and go straight to Nepal? Or did you come back? No, I traveled. I traveled a bit of Southeast Asia before that, but I kind of landed like Nepal's where I sort of was like, right, I need to actually like you know do something productive with myself and try and use my skills. Southeast Asia ain't, ain't that productive, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was just like a couple of months of just hardcore travel. Just yeah, yeah being a proper backpacker. Yeah, being a backpacker, kind of not really. Yeah, not really thinking, just sort of going from place to place. Yeah. Um, Did you enjoy Southeast Asia? Yeah, I loved it. I think Vietnam was my favourite place. That's what Sam, so, yeah. Sam was saying a minute ago. He, um, well, two weeks ago. No, two weeks yeah. ago, yeah. We didn't record the podcast. <laughs> <back ago. laughs> um, but Sam lived there and said it, was, said it was incredible. Yeah. He used to teach English out yeah. there. Is that what you were doing in... 
in Nepal. Nepal. No, like in, was it an English school or something? That's no, no. It was a um, a charity that um, basically tries to promote rural tourism. So it tries to get tourists to instead of going into a hotel to actually go and stay with a family and like, experience, uh, cool. yeah, like a oh. kind of um, homestay. So that's what I was doing. I was like living living the life and then filming homestays all around that area. Yeah. So just traveling around with a translator filming stuff. So. That's really cool. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really amazing experience. I don't know how good my films were, <laughs> to be honest. Are the videos still out there? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, What's the charity called? <laughs> no, uh, undisclosed name. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was a great experience. But yeah, I kind of forgot that I did Southeast Asia in between Australia. And so, yeah, that was that was a big chunk of travel. It's a little purge. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't move for Aussies in, in Southeast Asia either. There's, they're oh everywhere. Bali. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Uh, Benidorm. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a real shock to the system, actually. How it's far crazy. is it from Australia? Like how? It's like five well, hours. Depends where you fly from, of course. Because Australia's so massive. But is it really like that easy to get to? Yeah, yeah. I think from Darwin, which is like the most north place, it was like five hours. So, that's so they really just go there for, like just go a there one, for one one week. Yeah, holiday. It's, it's legitimately there. Benidorm, Magaluf, like it's mm. horrible. <laughs> My sister's in Bali right now and she was like, I hate it here. <laughs> She's like, I, I'm leaving Indonesia early because I dislike it so much. Yeah. But Bali's also like at the moment, just at the peak of its popularity. I mean, I was there in 2009 and it was rife. Like it mm. was, it was, didn't feel like Southeast Asia. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, I'd, I'd quite like to go just to see it, but. I've only seen like you know people on Instagram stuff like that I go on the Capier of course. Go I, to I mean you can you can avoid them. There's yeah. a, I mean it is a beautiful island, just you know focusing on the Aussies on that one part. Yeah, <laughs> it was like all the worst aspects of Australia like in one little microcosm. <laughs> <laughs> just but, really boiled down yeah. into like a syrup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that was just one part. Like the north is really beautiful, and you've got all the the Gili Islands as well as well, mm. which are amazing. I I stayed on the Gillies for oh, like seven eight weeks i think and that was one of the best I, I was saying it to someone earlier that it was like that's where i found myself yeah that was you know the i mean everyone probably has it who goes away that that they look back and it was like that was the turning point of yeah of who, who i am where was that for you was that nepal you'd say um yeah probably yeah this is me. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised I had no money and had to figure out a way to, to finance some sort of a life. Such but is yeah. travel life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it's always right after that moment as well, isn't it? Like, you're like, oh, this is perfect. I wish this could, like, stay like this forever. Yeah. Oh, no, real life switching for you. Hey, mum and dad, can I come <laughs> back and stay? Yeah, which is yeah. basically what I did. <laughs> so I think everyone, everyone has done that, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. So you came back to the UK. Mm -hmm. And then with that experience, you got into producing documentaries. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, it was from um, it was from Nepal that I was then. So I was, my friend was traveling India at the same time that I was in Nepal. So I thought I'd try and go and meet her. And then it was when I was in India that I applied for the rally job. So I've actually flew home from India to do the interview for the Mongol rally. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you flew all the way from India to, yeah, which I think to is, Bristol I think as well. That's, that's the HQ. Yeah. I think that's another reason why I got the job because I knew I was like very keen. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show you you're keen if you're flying back. From yeah, there. I remember a few people coming in for the interviews, but 
I, I, but I remember meeting you at the launch for sure. Mm. I think you interviewed me, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in like, in like we a got tiny into the truck. back of a camper van <laughs> <laughs> with the camera. It was a really weird interview. <laughs> it was. I'd never been interviewed before, and I was like. <laughs> The walls were really close together, so the camera was like right in my face. <laughs> yeah, it looks really weird. I think I've watched it back before, and it's just like, why did we do it in there? It I have no so idea. It, I think it was the only quiet place, and it even wasn't that like wasn't even that quiet. Yeah. So, what does it take to film like an adventure follow people? Because I don't think anyone could do that. Like, it's definitely specific people who can. Yeah, you need a specific talent for that. <laughs> For sure. and, and probably a lot of patience. I mean, I'm, I'm just mm. guessing here, but I mean, you've done it, but without filming. Well, like, we filmed you... it, but, but it was us, you know. Yeah, yeah. What did, what did you film, or what were you doing? Well, we did do it. we did the rally, and then ah. we were filming. It was mainly Sam filming it, and we said before the rally, it's quite convenient that Sam was the only one not driving. Uh, but we said to pick up the camera whenever it gets like intense or annoying, even if it's annoying to have a camera in your face when you know you break down or something. But that's when you get your best moments. But it's our friend. So, you know, if he pisses off, like it's, you can deal with it. But if it's someone else that mm. is just following your team and then you just break down and someone's with a camera in your face when you're, I don't know, your sump guard broke. Yeah. That, happened yeah, like that, would drive me insane. that would just drive <laughs> me insane. So I suppose you, depending on who you follow, you'd probably need uh, mm. a lot of patience. Yeah, I think I'm very patient. And I don't know, you just, um, I think people just trust you because you, you're, you're filming them, the, you know, constantly. So you become like a, you're like a video diary for them. You know, they just tell you everything. And I think you become, they kind of forget that they're talking to the camera and they think they're just talking to you, which they are. So it's almost like when something happens, they, I felt like people almost wanted to share it. Mm. Generally, people were kind of invested in you as a person so also invested in what you were doing on on you know on mm. camera so um but yeah we did have some times i remember when we already did the um the rickshaw run in india and i was so we'd be often we'd have um i'd be in a car with a driver so i was like the crew car with my camera and then you'd have the team in their rickshaw ahead and so got all the comforts of the car yeah i had a car <laughs> I had a driver which is great ac but what I would often do is jump in um, my team's car and just, you know, get some shots of them in their car. But once when we were going along this country road in um, somewhere in northern India, my team <laughs> flipped their rickshaw. So so I'm in the back of it with my camera. And all I remember is like we just we were going around, we were going along this sort of country road really, really fast. And it kind of looked like the road continued. But actually, there was like a big sharp bend. And so all I remember is just being like, hmm. That doesn't look like the right road. That looks like the right road. Boof! And you're just suddenly like on the side. And I just like grabbed my camera, which was the first thing I thought of. Like, I don't want to break Safety my camera. Safety first. <laughs> like, take the cramp. Oh, um, and we just kind of slid along along the road. And um, yeah, I mean, the people in the front of the rickshaw, because it doesn't have sides. The front seat doesn't have sides. The back seat has sides. So the, the front seat, you know, um, my the girl on my team, she just got, she was she was okay, but she had this really bad bruise. And it was, it was quite brutal. Um, but as soon as we hit the ground, I basically just press record. <laughs> and then it's like this really weird, it's a really interesting shot, but it's basically just this really weird sequence where I kind of get out the rickshaw and you can see I'm like, my camera's, everything's just sort of really chaotic. And I kind of get out the rickshaw, pass the camera to my driver and she just films me being like, 
well, I'm bleeding and like, you know, stuff's ripped, but it's okay. And then I kind of take the camera back and I film my team and everyone's just like, you know, just crying. It's like really, you know, loads of people are all over us. They're trying to like pull her out this rickshaw and she's got this big, you know, we thought her leg was broken, but it wasn't this big bruise. And she's really emotional, but no one, you know, at any point said stop filming. Everyone, I think, understood that this was like, important to be what filming we signed it. up for yeah yeah but it was it was a really weird moment i think uh, when she's kind of like you know she sort of calms down a bit and i go over to her and i was like are you okay can i continue filming you tell me no if this is not okay and she's like it's fine yeah so i was like okay cool and then yeah it's this really dramatic sort of day unfolded where we had to get taken to a hospital and like yeah it's quite was she on a stretcher no um she wasn't on a stretcher she could just about walk so yeah. someone came along in a in a truck and kind of and just got us to a uh, a hospital and yeah it was quite it was quite bizarre it was a military hospital as well so oh, fuck. yeah no it was really cool because <laughs> <laughs> it was like you never get to see inside a military hospital yeah that's it was true. really bizarre but i guess you weren't allowed to film in there no i filmed <laughs> oh, sneaky filming shit. that's the trick yeah to life sneaky filming yeah do you ever cover the red light on your camera yeah your tape? Nice. <laughs> Always. yeah good move yeah, the, I mean, the rally involved like so much sneaky filming because you're going through all these bizarre borders and just constantly trying to not look like you're a professional camera person. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you always have to pack it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like... Do you, have any, do you have any tips? Just... Or maybe secrets <laughs> that you're not allowed to tell. Um, you need to hide all your SD cards because they'll check your footage and they'll check everything. So, it's just, yeah. I remember. <laughs> oh my God, this is... So we're leaving Turkmenistan and this is maybe the day a day after we'd spent the night in the, de in the desert right next to the gas crater. A massive party. And um, I'm pretty sure he was Australian. No, he was from New Zealand. So there's this guy just, you know, stripped naked because drunk people always mm -hmm. do that. And... Uh, <laughs> Of course, like people take pictures of it. Sam takes pictures of it or a video and stuff like that. And Sam also has this Instagram page um, called, oh, what is it like? At one with nature or something like that. Sam yeah. according to nature or no. It's Sam as nature intended. There you go. Yes. And he is basically him in places, uh, usually remote places, but naked, just in the middle of the, mm -hmm. the landscape. And um, throughout the trip, you know, this is like across a mass, like 20 countries. There's so many opportunities to do that. So we took so many pictures of Sam naked in the middle of nowhere. His phone was full of them. And at the, <laughs> at the oh, Turkmen the border. border. Oh, God. So Turkmenistan, of course, very closed off and not very gay friendly. <laughs> you go through Sam's phone. And it's just like the first picture is of the, this guy next to the gas crater. And he finds it funny because the, the other guy is right there. So he's like, oh, funny, funny. And then he keeps scrolling and there's more naked, naked guys everywhere. <laughs> and he wasn't amused. Um, but yeah, nothing happened in the end. But yeah, you can't, kind of have to hide your pictures. <laughs> yeah. It was on the phone, so it's different. But if you've got an SD card uh, with a bunch of pictures, uh, naked yeah. guys definitely hide them. They're precious <laughs> SD cards. They yeah. really are. I, I lost one when I first went traveling in 2009 and I still hate myself for it. No. Still think about it and it always makes me remember to look after them yeah. properly. Cheap lesson, I guess. Life lesson, yeah. 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 
But yeah, the camera, the phones thing, I do remember that. Just always telling people, like, just turn your phone off. You know, just just have your phone off when you go for a board and then, then just be like, sorry, it's right. or just run it out of battery so they can't turn it on. Mm. Oh, good move. I've ne- I've yeah. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Because <laughs> it just takes so long. It just adds like another hour if they've got to go through your whole phone as well. And then they're obviously going to find things and they're obviously going to want to tell all the other guys in there, like, ha ha, look at come this. Come on, look yeah, at this. Like, come on, bro. They're, they're so bored in those, in those borders. Yeah. Do you have a, a particularly rough border experience um i mean i think turkmenistan was probably the most dramatic just because of the ridiculous bureaucracy because you're going to be carrying so much gear yeah it wasn't that they were fine with the gear it was more just it was insane amount of um so you had to you, you kind of all i remember is walking into this building and it was sort of you know i think we'd gotten there did like, you get the ferry uh yes we got the ferry yeah which was so also this big wide marble building no i don't oh, remember so that okay so this I'm was like a, yeah it wasn't fancy it was a very kind of small like kind of run down looking thing um and all i remember is walking in and just just getting told the sort of rough plan of what you had to do to get through the border and it was like some guy just sort of said so you go to window one you get a stamp then you go to window two you get another stamp. Then you go to window three, you get a signature. Then you go back to window two and you get a stamp. And it was like this. And there was something like 16 windows that you had to go through. Mm-hmm. And just all of these stamps and all of these signatures. And it was so confusing. And I think we were in there for like, I don't know, something like 14 hours. It was it was oh ridiculous. 14 hours. Yeah, we, like everyone ran out of water. No one really had enough food. Um, we just, it went on for so long. I think in the end, some of the, um, cause those are Turkish truck drivers go through there and they, they have like in the, in the bottom of their trucks, they will have these sort of little mini kitchens that, that come out. Do, yeah. They just ended up having to feed us cause we all ran out of food. It was really, Fucking it was hell. really insane. And, um, we ran out of water and I had those, um, like, you know, those iodine tablets you can put in to purify water. And I was just having to like hand them out to everyone. And we were drinking this horrible water out of like a rusty tap <laughs> because that's all we had left. So, yeah, so when we finally got through the border and obviously then you only have, I think, three days to cross the country, it was just like mm. oh already God. off to a bad start with Turkmenistan, but I actually loved it. It was a really interesting, bizarre country in the end. I've still never been. Ed, Ed went through on, on the rally as well. Mm. So strange, isn't it? Yeah. Now, actually thinking about that, I remember, like the building we went through, it, yeah, it was like 16 stops and it was always a different window, but the same guy. So we had to go through like every window once and then the guy would move, <laughs> put on a different hat, <laughs> then we'd go through again, then go back to the bank and say, oh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so he's drawn a little mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the building was brand new. So oh. maybe if I went like a couple of years after you, maybe it didn't exist, but it was brand new. And I remember specifically the toilet didn't work. Like there mm. was no water in the, in the sink. It, it was just perfect. But it didn't work. You know? Yeah, but that's the weird thing about Turkmenistan, isn't it? Yeah. There's those fake buildings. Yeah, it's really fake strange. Buildings. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. It's like empty but like you can you can see it because the windows are not see through. They're like how do you say op- opaque? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're like really dark black kind of windows. And no windows are ever like, you know... It's like see-through. Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like... <laughs> no, not even Disneyland. It feels more like a set, like a yeah. how you imagine a Hollywood set. Because oh. it feels like it's all cardboard. Some buildings are just... <laughs> they might just fall. It's yeah. just for show. There'd be like a post office, but there'd be no door and you couldn't get in. It'd be really weird. The streets the were just fuck? like, it's so bizarre. I really wanted to like learn more about it and spend some time there. but And you, no, you one, no one would yeah. talk to you and you couldn't film on the streets. So you couldn't take pictures of anyone. You couldn't film on the streets. And would no someone one... come over? 
Do you think, I, do you, was, I was it remember, monitored? I think someone did tell me off. Yeah. I, otherwise, I would have probably carried on just until I got told. But yeah, it was all, it was super strange. It's like you just wanted to know what was going on underneath the surface. Because you, you hear stories in like North Korea of, yeah, you know, the fake food on the shelves and yeah, uh, similar stories to that. But I didn't realize Turkmenistan was that, not, well, that bad. Because I, I was just under the impression that they were really well built but just not populated in the city but it's just like a movie set and there's barely anyone there yeah i mean i don't know i actually didn't go into the buildings but apart from like a couple of hotels but they're hotels so they make sure you know that's perfect mm. mm-hmm. so i can't i mean i can't tell it's all speculation but if there's no cars and no people but just marble buildings and you know you don't just go out once a day and just so happens to be the least busy hour of the of the day mm. you know we're out there like for three days constantly and there's never anyone entering or leaving a building it must be i mean i don't know maybe it's not empty it's just speculation but yeah. really it's just so odd and there's so many of them what's there to do in it's ashgabat right yeah is there anything to do i, I saw a picture of the massive uh fer- indoor ferris wheel did you Why not go that? there oh no. my god yeah oh i've got I spent the best day in Ashgabat. Mm. I, I don't want to like take over the, your episode here, really, but uh, there's plenty of little things to do. But I wouldn't go for like a three-day city trip. Like <laughs> it's weird. Take like. a long weekend to Ashgabat. <laughs> uh, yeah, the indoor Ferris wheel is so odd. Uh, it's like a Ferris wheel, and they've just like built around it basically. It's uh, got a shell. Yeah, it's just got a shell, and it's like marble and glass. So when you're inside, we got on the Ferris wheel. We were the only ones there, by the way, of course. Um, you can't see shit. <laughs> because oh, what? Because it's just inside. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you, there's windows, and but there's you know there's beams and stuff like that. It's fairly limited as to how much you can see. Uh, but I remember getting into that building, parking lot, like indoor parking lot, just empty, just us. We walk around. There's not a soul, and there's like this casino empty literally no one just like those um what do you call them those machines with numbers and slot machines yeah slot machines, machines. Yeah. and like almost like a, a, a tiny amusement park inside for kids and stuff but no one there but the the, the rides are like moving and, stuff. and it was just us and then we get on the ferris wheel at the bottom and we're like okay let's just get in we go do- through the serpentines on our own like just us for like two minutes going up and down up and down get on the ferris wheel and then we start moving. And at that point, we saw an employee come. And we're like, oh, okay. And then the Ferris wheel stopped for us to see. And we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? We get back down. We get back down. And the guy just, like, takes us to the reception where we have to pay. But we could, if he hadn't been there, we would have gone in and out without paying, without seeing a soul. What the fuck? <laughs> it was the strangest thing. And then outside, just this massive, like, square. But you can't even compare it. Uh, you know where... The where Arnold Feeney is. Mm-hmm. If you go further down, like there's like this big, you know where the market is and stuff like that yeah. uh, next to the steps. Imagine if all of that were just flat and empty. That's the size of the square around. Mm. And then there's so this massive weird. like park that's just spotless with like one guy just with a broomstick just getting so rid of strange. leaves. And it's so strange. And there's this one last thing I want to talk about is the <laughs> the British pub. <laughs> there's a British pub in Ashgabat. There's a British pub in Ashgabat. And Why did I not go to this? 
<laughs> maybe it wasn't open back then but basically the way it works is that it's it's all controlled by the government of course um and it's not a money-making business i wouldn't think because there's no one in there but it's like in this wide marble building there's a little there's a door with a plaque that says british pub it doesn't even say pub it says p-a-b pub and then underneath it says ministry of catering and stuff like that it's so strange you walk in and you're in bristol like it's like the most english pub you've ever seen in your life not irish pub specifically english it's got pool table it's got everything but there's no one there apart from the person working and this is at like maybe four or five p.m. in the afternoon. You know, it should should be busy. I need to go. And we had like a, a drink, <laughs> some pizza or something. I don't know, some snacks. I can't remember. And then left. Ah, the classic classic British Ashgabat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I, I don't know. It was so strange. But yeah, definitely. It's just an experience. It felt like Disneyland a bit. Just so strange. Yeah. Did you spend long in? So it was just no, three days. It was, I think it was three days. It's either three days or five days, which even made it kind of made it more tantalizing because you just couldn't. You were like, I've got no time to actually explore this place. Mm, it's yeah. so unusual. Um, but yeah. And it's stressful as well because you need to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a fairly big country. Or else, <laughs> what happens if you if you don't get out? You might actually know of people that didn't manage to get out in time because they had a breakdown or something. Uh, they normally got out. Yeah, you'd yeah. always hear about people who got stuck and then they somehow get out just in time. Yeah, I was uh, mates with the ambassador to Turkmenistan. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. She, she was at the. Um, she came to one of the launches. The launches, I was. Yeah. yeah. No, I can't remember that much of Turkmenistan. Annoyingly, thinks it's just a bit of a bit of a blur. Probably there's not much happened because there's nothing to do. Yeah, it's like the gates to hell, and then that was that was it. Really. I mean, it really is the only highlight with Ashgabat as well, but it's, it's just dirt there's nothing else but sand <laughs> like there's just you just drive for three days and there's nothing to see yeah how do they make their money do you know what they uh gas oh is it gas okay. and oil they're like one of the richest uh countries in the world in terms of uh oil i think oil reserves wow but yeah do you feel like you're a part of the teams whatever events you might have followed and stuff like that yeah, I think so. I think you do become quite you, because you you sort of go into it thinking and and saying to people, you know, I'm, we're going to try and be quite observational and not get too involved and just sort of you know film, you know, kind of fly on the wall, film what you're doing. But you inevitably you're in a car with people for like six weeks. Like, so you, is it always the same people? Well, you just so the same people? I did it twice. The first time I kind of hitchhiked between teams. Uh, which was interesting because I'd sort of be relying on people just picking me up. So I remember being stuck in Cappadocia in Turkey for like a week, just waiting for nice. a team to come and pick me up. Um, or just like, yeah, whoever was passing through. you need the space as well in the car yeah, for so, an yeah, additional person. Yeah, not many cars had space. So you'd sort of be like, oh, I haven't got that much stuff. And obviously I had like cameras and I had bags and um, I'd always just somehow manage to get in. But the second time I did it, I was with a team the whole way through. So And we were in a Nissan Micra, so it's it quite tight. <laughs> yeah. Those things are unstoppable, and, though. Yeah. What if you end up with a team you like? You don't like is one thing, but also that just don't see things the way you do. Or, for example, like there's a lot of driving. Like there, there's some reckless drivers out there. What if you end up with someone who's just like terrifying you by the way they're driving? Well, yeah, I think more so you just kind of really want to drive yourself because you sort of get a bit bored just being, you know, in the back yeah, seat. I bet, yeah. So I did sometimes drive and it didn't always end well 
I'm trying to think where this was, but I remember I I didn't like crash someone's car, but I kind of broke it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it God. sounds like you crashed someone's kind car. Of. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this story, but I think we were in I think we were in Mongolia, and um, I'd gotten really like by this point, I think we'd been in the car for about six. You know, I've been in the car for about six weeks, the whole thing, and um, I just got to a point where I was like, I think I need to have a go. I think I need to be. I think I need to have a go. And everyone was like, Yeah, yeah, of course. Are you a good driver? And I was like, I am. But obviously you're like on these tiny roads in this, you know, backcountry and it's like, you know, it's they're not good roads for anyone to be driving on, let alone someone who's just, you know, never, you know, not been in a car for a long time in front of the wheel. And um, I just, yeah, I think I, I think I just got a bit too speed happy and we sort of went over something and it went like, Ding! and everyone was like, what was that? Oh, <laughs> I was like, shit. What has this shit. bastard done to our shit. car? <laughs> yeah. She's not even in our team. <laughs> and I think I'd we'd knocked the sump and it it, oh, it knocked something and there was like oil spinning out and it was quite bad. And what was kind of, this is in the first rally, but what was kind of worse about it was I didn't really know how to film that event because I had been <laughs> I had been uh, in the behind the wheel and I was supposed to, so I was kind of trying to then you know <laughs> retrospectively film it as in like oh no this thing has happened and <laughs> someone else was driving what has happened to our team oh god yeah and then it, it kind of ended up being a massive story because we essentially had to send one car on um to a, a town to get a, uh, to get a part and then they had to come back but everyone lost each other so the two cars the convoy split up and it was like days before we reunited and it was quite dramatic and i and it was all my fault so <laughs> yeah it was, it at was least you admit it <laughs> probably shouldn't have done <laughs> definitely sounded like your fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was my fault but yeah so i am a good driver fyi at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I see... Uh, you're on a motorbike regularly. Yeah. Do you, have you been on any of the, uh, like a motorbike adventure? Have you been traveling on your bike or? Um, I have done, uh, yeah, I've been to Europe quite a bit. So I basically, um, I basically grew up kind of on the back of my dad's bike. It's, it's sort of how I describe my like childhood. Yeah. Um, so we used to do quite a few trips and then I think at some point, I just was like, I need my own, I need my own license. It's, I, I want to just, you know, be a bit, bit freer. So the, when I first passed my test, which I think was in 2018, um, this is a really long story. I actually, it took me six attempts to pass my bike test. Whoa. So it's been hard won, <laughs> that license. Yeah, it was really, I just loads of things kept going wrong. I like had an accident and then the roundabouts and then I left my indicator on, like just so many things happened. And anyway, I got my license, but I got my license about a week before I was due to um, go over to Spain and, and basically go through the Alps on my bike. So I'd like planned this big trip with my dad and I hadn't passed my test. <laughs> so he was like, do you really think we should be, you know, you, you, we should be doing this? And I was like, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to pass it. And anyway, um, there was a lot of pressure and every test pretty much failed. But I eventually, I eventually passed. And then seven I, or eight, did you say? Oh, it was six. Six. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but then I rode over the Alps. And then that was like the kind of triumph of that horrible two year period of trying to pass my bike test. But um, yeah. Any close calls? No, <laughs> it was fine. It but was you, fine. Do, you don't learn before the test like you learn to drive once you've once you've got your license that's when you actually learn to drive yeah. because mm. that's when you start doing it on your own and that's when you start or well, like I suppose riding is the same so I'm pretty it's more sure experience isn't it after doing six motorcycle tests I was pretty good at <laughs> <riding a> motorbike because <laughs> I'd had so much training by that point because you have training before the test and mm. so it's different from a car test but yeah I was very I felt like I was very prepared by the time I'd done that what kind of bike is it it's a Honda CB500X I don't even know why yeah, I asked. Yeah, sounds cool. Is it, is it speedy? <laughs> does it go fast? Um, does it's, it's a 500 make noises? <laughs> it does make noises. Um, yeah, it's a 500cc bike, 49 horsepower. Does that mean anything? Sounds Re like it's fast for something It's small. reasonably fast. Yeah. Reasonably fast. Um, I met a female biker the other day um, with the Bristol Biker Girls. Who, um, ah, there's a... A yeah, yeah. Female biker gang. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. There it. is. And um, I met this woman and she is on one of the fastest road legal bikes out there. And I think it's something like 210 miles per hour. Uh, two, oh yeah, 210 God. miles per hour it goes. Is that one of those ridiculously like narrow? It is so fast. It, yeah, bikes. it's tiny. Mine, so my bike, just for comparison, it's like, it's very upright. It's got like a big screen. It's a touring bike. Nice. So it's very comfortable. It's kind of. It's not very flash, although I think it's kind of flash. It's red. Motorbike. Oh, well, the red ones go faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a motorbike. Yeah. So it is flashy anyway, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty flash. What's it? Horsepower, you said? 49. 49, just as a comparison. Um, <laughs> I've driven a, a 2CV a lot, like an old uh, Citroen 2CV, which is a car. Oh, uh, Ed, that's like a cartoon. Yeah, we've got You're one. Driving, yeah. Imagine with the... It is quite. I'm. I'm a bit. Did your head poke out? I, there's two ways I can drive it. I can either open the roof and like look up, and I literally just look. Um, my head's outside. But that's quite. That's exactly what I was hoping for. It's quite uncomfortable when you go a bit faster, or I kind of have to, you know, duck in it. It's quite uncomfortable. But I love that car. Uh, it was my granddad's car, and my dad like redid the whole thing. I love it. Uh, but that's got nine horsepower. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. That's a badass bike then. Yeah, it's not that it's not that fast though. But there's definitely faster bikes out there. But what's power isn't just speed though, is it? It's like yeah, power delivery. Yeah, I don't know. It's how quickly you get. <laughs> to I don't speed, even know why I'm it? asking these questions. I'm like, they're like leading questions, so someone might inform me <laughs> in the hopes that I might sound knowledgeable. I'm not. I have no clue whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but so, it sounds fast. So, do you have any trips planned on your bike anytime soon, or um, have you done over the summer maybe? I did. So last year I went to Spain and um, have you ever heard of the Trans-European Trail or the Tet? Yeah. Yeah. No. So, well, it's, it's like a kind of all over Europe, there are a network of what they call green lanes, which are just off-road routes that you can do. And um, it's, called it's quite bike friendly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's for, for motorbikes. For friendly. motorbikes. Yeah. Okay, kind okay. of like trail riders. So, you know, like enduro, that okay. kind of like yeah. sort of big off-road bikes. So there's a massive network all over Europe and some of them are quite easy and some of them are really hard and only sort of the hardcore enduro riders will do the really like technical ones. Um, so me and my dad kind of planned to do a bit of the, the tet in Spain and I'd never ridden off road and I've always been really scared of gravel in particular because, you know, gravel on a motorcycle is terrifying. Yeah. It's horrible. So there's nothing like the feeling of oh, it just, kicking. You've got like this terrifying. much, you know, on your wheel, you've got this much contact with the ground. 
and it's just any bit of gravel it's just like it's the most horrible feeling mm. um so i basically decided i want to try and ride some of the tet so i did an off-road course in in mid wales um on like this big epic it's, it's a, a yamaha tenere which is like a really massive it's a 700 cc bike for comparison um 79 horsepower i think <laughs> just now now we know <laughs> so much power delivery <laughs> yeah. it um, goes room room really fast it does um and i did this off-road course and the the off-road course i did in wales was was really good i was very confident i was terrified going into it but after two days i was like okay i'm clearly a badass i can do this and then went to spain got on the tet and i think i i think i dropped the bike something like 25 times in the space of like four hours it was that would be heavy as horrible. well right yeah it was really horrible um because essentially the difference was when i was in wales it was really um hard packed gravel and there was some loose gravel but that's actually fine if you have the right tires when we were in 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 spain um initially the day started off and it was this lovely kind of dry very dusty track and we were like this is great so kind of going up up into the hills and then there was like a tiny bit of drizzle and what that did is just turned this this dusty path into into essentially clay, oh, and it was just like deep claggy mud, and it was just such a different thing to to ride on. It was really hard. Just it's like couldn't... riding on ice. It was just yeah, it was like but it's like riding on butter essentially. It was just like <laughs> like I just couldn't could not keep the bike up. And then I think after you've dropped it so many times, you just sort of lose you just kind of lose all hope. You just yeah. like, oh. but did it not hurt or something? Because I assume you just fall on your side. Yeah, it doesn't really hurt because you have crash bars. So you kind of you you fall. The bike takes the hit. Really, is it your bike or is that a rented? No, bike? No, it's my bike. Okay. Yeah. So. And you still have got you still have it now. Yeah, yeah, it's it was fine. fine. So it it's all good. worked fine because it's such it's such slow speeds, and obviously you're dropping it in mud. So it's kind of it's not really gonna <laughs> it's damage. Just a mess. It's just a mess. Yeah, it was just caked in mud, and um, like that was kind of a combination of the rain, but also the wrong tires. And um, yeah, I haven't done any off-roading since. So, <laughs> Are you going to, do you think? I think I would ride on gravel again, but I think I'd like to avoid mud forever. Yeah. But yeah. Chase the sun. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I would. I just maybe would take someone else's bike and maybe a lighter bike because mm. mine's quite heavy and big. So maybe something small and easy. You can I'd love up. to try ice. You know, with the... I, I'd imagine because it's... It's almost like screws, isn't it, that comes through the tires. Mm. That it's almost more stable. Is this the in thing in, in Russia, the um, the Ural? Oh no, in general, yeah. like because on Lake Baikal they do the Ural trip. Yeah. Um, but obviously you've got three wheels there, so oh, you're yeah, yeah, more yeah. stable. But you see enduro people like with yeah hardcore ice, like motocross bikes. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that would feel because it's not exactly going to kick out. Or yeah. anything, or slip, because yeah, it's like... that'd be really different. Like cleats. Yeah. Cleats for your bike. Mm, don't know. I think yeah. like that would be nicer to ride on than, than butter, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> so was. as well. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very enjoyable. So where's next on the bike? Um, where's next on the bike? I don't have any big plans, but I would love to ride to Georgia, because oh, I loved lovely. Georgia when I was there. Yeah. So you want to ride all the way to Georgia? Yeah. Awesome. That that be pretty good stuff. I feel like that's like reasonably achievable. I don't know how long that would take me, but I feel like I could probably go there and back in a month and still see enough of Georgia. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You'd be on your bike every day though. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's the distance. Yeah, but that's the whole thing about motorcycle touring is it's you you know you have everything on your bike, so you have your tent and you just yeah find campsites and just like it's just a really nice way to mm. to travel. 
Do you always, when you do your trips, are you always with, with someone? Yeah, generally go with my dad and all his, all his biker friends. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Takes you along. Yeah, yeah. The, my experience on a bike is, I, I don't ride a bike. I've never ridden it myself, but I was on the back of a friend's bike um, and we were driving through the woods and I experienced something I'd never experienced before, like just a smell. That's what I, I remember the most. Like it just smelled so good because you've got fresh air from the woods coming in constantly. Of course, you can drive your car with the windows open, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. I don't know why it was, but I just thought, wow, this is like sensory overload. Yeah. Yeah. It was so strange. And that's like, I do want to learn how to ride a bike. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that that's almost like the reason because the first yeah. time I did it, I was like, Wow. I think that's literally that's what gets people is that just just the smell just you feel like you're so much more part of the the place that you're riding yeah through. it's a really different experience I've heard it's like people who travel a lot say it's like that and cycling are the two best ways of of seeing the world something's yeah. tiring though yeah yeah this is just like <laughs> it's all powered for you you don't have to do anything yeah. 49 horsepower <laughs> Kev yeah. I mean it's <laughs> just one Kevin power in my bike <laughs> really shit yeah. and <laughs> 0.5 horsepower yeah. that's actually probably still a lot for a human I'd, 0.5 mm. horsepower I don't know I guess so um, on your trips you said you you, you take your tent with you yeah. but have you ever been to a horrible place on the podcast we've got the Alpha Guest House International yeah. sponsored by Bristol's premium, premium. guest house accommodation that's how he said how Tom says it usually. Tom Tom has a a bit about uh, reviewing, like finding all the worst reviewed hotels in oh, every yeah. country we go to. Yeah, and Alpha Guest House is a running joke because it was the UK's worst hostel, and it's just on Coronation Road. Is it? And the reason Kev said was and not is, is because it burned down. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Like yeah. this year. <laughs> oh God. Um, what happened? It burnt down. Uh, <laughs> Someone probably tried so to bad. <laughs> make some out. toast. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> they were. Conveniently, it sounded from the way that Tom said it, it sounded like there were two fires mm -hmm. that started at a very similar time. Okay. So they'd had an allegedly <laughs> accident. An alleged accident. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. It's so, better to not find out. To be yeah, fair. let's uh, let's leave it there. It's, it's you know, nice yeah. and ambiguous. Have either of you ever been? I've stayed there a few yeah. times, yeah. Was yeah. it as, as bad as they say? Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a real <laughs> was. But you went back, so you Yeah, it was kind of enough. like a running joke mm. with um, whenever we came to Bristol. There was uh, us and a bunch of the rally teams that we did it with. Uh, we would stay there and it was <laughs> awful. You're like, come to Bristol, come and experience the best accommodation we've got to offer. Yeah. And I slept on the bed with my shoes on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just don't want to touch anything. I was full, like fully dressed, <laughs> like shirt done up, just didn't Scarf want to touch. to make sure yeah. your neck doesn't touch anything. Oh, yeah. I've yeah, stayed in some awful. horrible hostels here, actually. They're not the best Why, in the Bristol. UK? Yeah, Why? no, in Bristol. I went, like when I came to visit for one of the rally meetups, I stayed in a really horrible hostel somewhere in town. Oh, really? really? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, Bristol's Maybe the Alpha Guest House without knowing it. Maybe I think you'd know. <laughs> you can't not know. They're like car with fully deflated tires. Oh, it's true. Like the, the windows was a all car smashed in. Yeah, it was there for years. What yeah. uh, outside of it? Yeah. yeah. Weird. 
And it's got this like red sign. Just oh, it's so Def- definitely looks like a a place where people of the night go to <laughs> rent rooms by the hour. Mm. That kind of mm. that kind of place. Um, I hope your other hostel wasn't like that. No, I don't think it was. It was more people were like living there permanently. It was it was a, oh. it was a really bizarre mix of people who were clearly like there permanently and people who were just yeah in and out. But it, yeah, it was like backpackers. We're like backpackers, yeah. <laughs> but it was a str- it was super strange vibe. Um, if yeah, it felt sketchy. It does know. sound sketchy. I don't know what it was more like. I'm trying to remember why it was so horrible. Well, I think resident people in hostels are normally people who can't afford a home. Yeah. So it is a relatively sketchy thing because yeah. they they don't live there all the time, but they, they, you know, gather money throughout the day and then hopefully go and stay there. But a mixture of the two, is, yeah. it seems like it could be... Yeah, I don't troublesome. I don't feel like that was the reason why it was sketchy. It was some I think it was more the reason it was more to do with the the way that they would let I think it was the their rules around coming in and out. They were just a bit weird about like times you could come in and like just I remember there being some really strange rules and and it was just I felt I felt like, yeah, this is this is not right. This place is strange. Um I can't really remember. This is not a good story if I can't remember. Um <laughs> but yeah, weird accommodation stories. So I don't have a particularly strong one story, but I do have, like, it's in one place, but I do have a really weird experience. And this is when, um, so me and Chris, who's, who's been on the podcast, um, we we basically had a 19-hour stopover in Beijing. Um, and so this, that's quite a long time. So we yeah. were like, we're going to go, we're going to, you know, it was the middle of the night. I think we'd flown from, from Mongolia and we were coming back to the UK, but we had this 19-hour stopover. So... So we thought, okay, well, let's go into Beijing. Let's like have a little look. We'll find somewhere to stay. So I'd booked this hotel um, on, I think it was on booking.com. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to China. Nope. 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 But I think it's the first time I really realized, and I've been to quite a few different places, but this is the first time I really realized if you sp- if no one speaks any English, you are completely screwed. <laughs> like, Because you don't have Google Translate. It doesn't work. Um, and oh, in China! Oh, yeah. oh fuck! Yeah, yeah, nothing works. Like, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you don't have any, any like none of the apps work. Everything's everything's banned. And we got into <sighs> Beijing Airport, and it, I mean, I, I know I sound like a kind of ignorant Westerner here, but literally nothing even in the airport. And this is a big international airport. Nothing was in English. We couldn't even find the place where you get a taxi because none oh, of the signs. Man. So like we were so lost. Like immediately when we landed, we we're really tired. And we were just straight away, we were extremely lost. So we managed to find the taxi. It took ages, but we got there. Um, and we, we ended up getting this taxi to this um, this hotel. And I walked in and it was, you know, all, all felt really normal. And we were like, oh, hi, um, do you have any rooms? Knowing that we'd booked something. Um, and they were like, yeah, 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 we've got some rooms. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Oh, I've actually got a booking. And I showed them the thing and they were like, no, you can't stay here. <laughs> And it was weird. it was really weird. We were like, oh, okay, there must be a mistake. And we kind of tried to book and they were just like, no. So we're like, oh, okay, right. That's really weird. We'll just go somewhere else. Um, went to another place, went in, same thing. We were like, okay, let's just not mention we've got a booking. Let's just say, can we have some, can we have the room? Have you got any rooms? No. I was like, okay, well, I've actually, so I, I booked this room. So I was like, well, I've actually booked it. So I went and, and showed them um, and they were just like, no, you can't stay. <laughs> and it, it basically turned out, it turned into this night of continually going to hotels and the same thing happening. So they just wouldn't let us stay. And we didn't know if it was to do with, 
you know, the way we were asking or like the fact that it was booking.com or what it was, it just, no one would let us stay in a hotel. And it was like getting later and later into the night and we were really tired. And eventually, I think we managed to find this guy who could speak English and he managed to book a room for us. But it was the most bizarre experience. And there was no reason. There was no reason. And you, you'd paid on booking.com No, we didn't, we didn't pay. You know when you reserve it and then you pay when you're there? Okay, yeah. But it was just so weird. It was like every single one wouldn't let us in. And it basically just ended up being this night of like not ever getting any sleep. We did manage, manage to get into a hotel in the end, but it was so weird. That's so odd. And, and, and did you see any of Beijing? No, <laughs> apart from like, I mean, it was just this, like, it's a massive city, isn't it? So we just were kind of going around um, in taxis, just trying to get from one massive hotel to another. Just got a bunch of closed hotel doors. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the most bizarre thing. You just felt like you were so lost in translation, you know, you're like, why is this it's like clearly something I'm saying? Or It's not easy to find that experience now. Do mm. you know what I mean? It's because everything is so accessible but then you get dropped in china yeah and it's just like and yeah. all bets are off i didn't even think about the google translate thing no yeah because you rely on that so much right uh, yeah, or, or just 100%. asking people you know you just ask someone for help and generally someone would speak some english but no one did and i think it was quite refreshing actually to be in a situation where you couldn't rely on that because it's wrong that everyone you shouldn't expect people to be able to to speak english certainly but, but it's not just english because if you if you go to like we talked about turkmenistan like there's going to be some similarities like yeah. in the words or even i mean i can't remember about turkmenistan but the alphabet sometimes if you go to south america even if you don't speak a word of spanish British pub yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah there'll be something you Th- could there'll be something onto. or like i don't know say i don't know just like even car in russian is machina or something like that yeah machine car you can you can kind of understand it you know for chinese if you don't have any like help <laughs> well i've got a huawei so ah uh, i'd be fine you'll be fine yeah yeah thank you china <laughs> god I, I would love to go mm. it sounds just really overwhelming I, I kind of forget how big it is yeah it's massive beijing as well is huge I mean, from the tiny bit I saw that one night, just God, driving around. It must around. have been so overwhelming. It was just so weird. It was, Yeah, it was really weird. But the thing that I remember actually from the morning, so when we finally managed to get in this hotel, and I think we got like four night, four hours sleep there, because, you know, we'd been like spent most of the night trying to find somewhere to stay. I remember waking up in the morning and we went down to the buffet, which was quite bizarre because it was like 8am and there was a massive buffet. And it was like just finally kind of got a sense of like, okay, we're in China. This is like, this is the food they eat in the morning. And that that was a, a quite a weird breakfast of like eggs and some noodles, and I remember it being very distinctly Chinese, and just thinking this is this is this is it. This kind of makes sense. Yeah, this whole thing makes sense because I'm eating this food here, and now I'm going to go to the airport and I'm going to fly <laughs> back to the UK. <laughs> I was t- talking about food in a previous episode. A guest uh, went to China and he ordered something. Obviously, he couldn't read anything, and he he just like would go to a restaurant pick something on the menu not understanding a word and you'd get it you know you'd eat it and one day he picked something that turned out to be a frog uh sat on his plate do you have any like you know weird foods that you've had probably not in china for 19 hours but like the weirdest thing you ate i I, there's been loads of weird things i i don't know if i can think of a particularly weird thing but um I have a weird story from when I was in Nepal and this isn't a food but 
when I was, so my kind of, my job was to go around and, and meet various families who were willing to host tourists. So I'd go to all these little, um, little tiny villages and I'd meet all the, the people. So what would inherently happen is you'd end up going to a village, they'd find out that you were coming and they'd, someone would want to, you know, bring you, you know, host you essentially and, and bring you into the home. And I remember going into this one village and I think, I think the reason why they picked this guy or everyone said, you must go and visit this guy is because his um his son was a soldier, a Gurkha soldier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he was kind of like the prominent um, figure in the village and was really proud. And I remember going to this household and um, he was you know showing me pictures of his son and we were talking about his son. And then he was like, do you want some tea? I was like, yeah, of course I'll have some tea. And he was like, oh, I have salt in my tea. Do you want some, do you want, do you want the same? And I was like, yeah, of course. Because you're like, Obviously. I was like, I'm a hardcore traveler. I can do that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, of course I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on then. So what I didn't realise is, like, it, he literally put a teaspoon of, of salt into this cup of tea. <laughs> Gives me this cup of tea. And um, it's probably one of the most horrible, most disgusting things I've ever drunk in my life. Where you have to do the, hmm. Yep. What, what kind of tea was it? Just like, a, it was it was um, masala tea. So it was like okay. a black tea with masala. It's like um, Nepalese tea, kind of like chai. Yeah. Um so but, f- fairly flavorful on its own yeah, already. But normally it's sweet. Yeah. Um, but the, it was yeah, it was the most. It was just so horrible. And you're sitting there, you can't. What can you do? You guys got to drink it. But um, I kind of. So my my thought process was okay. This is clearly like a Nepalese thing, and it's like you know, got to embrace embrace this thing. And then I asked him a bit about it because I was like, no, this is too weird. Like, what's the story here? And it turns out he'd um he accidentally the reason he he put salt in his tea is he just got them he got the sugar and salt bowls mixed up one day, put a, put a teaspoon of of salt in his tea said it and he liked it so he was like this is me now i'm i'm salty <laughs> and just decided like that's that's how i like it and then um, he offered it to someone else but he, he'd learned to like it so by this point you know it was it was totally normal to him so then when i tried it i was like yeah this is really nice yummy yeah it's good it's good and i had to do the kind of like pour it away when he was yeah looking. you have to i did that in um i i told it in the per episode but there's um masato um in in peru they this is oh, spit yeah. beer mm. and to make it they boil uh yucca which is like a long parsnip root vegetable looking yeah. thing and then um so they boil it mash it boil it like loads of times and then they chew up like a purple potato and then spit it in it Whoa. and it's got a lot of spit in there and then it turns into I like this pink pink fizzy vinegary type of it, it was just warm <laughs> and it's that thing where you like that's the worst it's warm where you have to sip it and you first taste it and then it's like oh and then you see because they spit in it before they brew it mm. but even after that like you still see like foamy bits oh, on the no. side, Aww. but that's not, that's not spit. Clearly it's just part of the process that there's like bubbles in there, yeah. but you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's literally someone has just spat right in my drink. Oh, is it a specific person that spits or is it everyone? Like, every, no, it's just anyone who's there. Can't. <laughs> anyone who makes them, they're just like, potato, chuck it in, changes the color, turns it. Do you remember like uh cowpole, mm-hmm. that color? Yep. So it was, it was the color of cowpole. So you go in like, could be yeah you know if it, it, it fools you a little bit but no it was just sour not good no and the, and the color was really deceptive yeah 
And you gotta drink it, that's the thing. You do, and then the second someone's not looking, it's like, yeah. I don't wanna drink any more of that. Yeah. But you get pissed as well. Do you? Because it's like, you're supposed to just keep passing it around, and you're drinking it out of these big half Oh, but that's shells. very easy to not drink then. If you it's, pass it around, yeah, you just... Yeah, take a Oh no, sip. but it's like, and then it comes to someone, they have to like, drink the lot. Yeah. Ugh. No thanks. Yeah. That sounds a bit like the whole, just any time you're with Russian people and they just force <laughs> you to drink vodka at any at any moment. It's it just, is. It's so weird that like Russia more so than anywhere else I've been, it's like there's an invisible gun to your head that you need to, <laughs> you need to do this or else. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, that yeah. whole thing. Like, yeah. Eat this. Ah, oh, but it looks it looks like shit and smells <laughs> horrible. And this cow literally just produced it. Yeah, the so. amount of times I heard people say, yeah, it's tradition. Mm. And I'm like, I don't drink because, you know, I, I, I don't really drink that much. And um, I'm like, no, I'm okay. I don't want any vodka. And they were like, you must drink, man, drink. <laughs> so it was, I'd literally do the, oh, yum, and throw it over my shoulder. Like, I've, I've done it dozens of times. Mm. But it's like, you have to do it. Yeah, I've, yeah, ne- yeah, I've yeah. never felt the pressure like I like I did in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gun to your head analogy is actually quite accurate. I I, yeah. <laughs> so that's quite like a horrible thing to have to experience. Is is that like the type of worst thing you've had to experience, like in Russia, drinking or f- having to do stuff that seems wrong, just out of obligation, I guess. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I can't think of a really bad experience because I think every, this sounds really cliche, but every experience is always, you always take something away from it, don't you? Even if it's, even if it's horrible, like even getting in a rickshaw accident. Um, it's a story. Yeah. That's, and yeah. also when you survive something, you're just like, wow, that's, that's now, yeah, it's just a story at <laughs> yeah. that point. You're just like, I was lucky. Well, where, where else have you been then? Like, mm. so you did, I know you did Morocco. Yeah. Because I was out there with you for that. You've done the, uh, you've done Russia mm-hmm. and everything in between. How's your experience in Mongolia? I love Mongolia. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing place. There's I've, a lot of obligation there as well for certain things I found. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah, I suppose we, we would, uh, the thing with Mongolia is you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And then as soon as you stop, they're just people that somehow come out of. Yeah. yeah it's super weird for that um i remember we were camped up somewhere and we we just were, we were so sure we were really you know away from anything and then you just hear these like like tiny motorbikes because they're all the herders are on these tiny motorbikes and they just like come out of nowhere and they just sort of yeah and they come along and they just want to drink with you and we were just sort of camping not necessarily wanting to drink or have a party and everyone you know they just kind of force it on you but um there's two things that Mongolians like doing. It's drinking and fighting. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah, we did we did do some wrestling, actually. Not me personally. <laughs> but, yeah, we did randomly get invited to, like, a big wrestling match. That's when you're happy to hold a camera because you can be like, oh, no, I'm just... Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry. I would <laughs> love to go out there for that. N- is it Nadam? Yeah. Nadam Festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't you go to that? Did no, we, to that? we didn't. But we um we we I filmed the um, Mongol Derby, so yeah. it was the... Uh, the big horse race but they, yeah the Nadam festival a lot of the horses were were part of that wow yeah it's really cool yeah it's the, the eagle hunting as well yeah that's, that's one thing I'd love to love to see yeah it's one of the most amazing countries I'd love to go back just the just the big open skies I've never experienced anything like that and the mm. stars I think oh it's mental it's amazing it? yes yeah, so amazing yeah 
So if you could only go back to one place, of course, you've got Nepal, you've got Mongolia, mm -hmm. Australia. Uh, where, yeah. would you, where would you go back to? <laughs> um, do you know what? I think, if, I think I would go back to Uzbekistan, to a place called Bukhara. Did you go to Bukhara? Yeah. Why? But I didn't remember that. Like I was there at night, and it's one yeah. thing that I distinctly remember is the invention that really exists everywhere. Uh, the red lights. Yeah. Um, they they're a bit like the American style where they go over the road. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. it's almost like a a sign over the road. But the whole pole kind of is the light, so the ho the pole goes like red or oh. green. Oh wow! And it's great. But yeah, anyway, what, apart in, from that, Bukhara. In Uzbekistan? Yeah, and specifically Bukhara. I remember oh, wow, that. I don't remember that. Um, don't know why. <laughs> You've sold Bukhara. For yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the same reason I love it, to be honest. <laughs> the traffic light um, systems are yeah, just magnificent. It's really out of this world. <laughs> um, no, I think it, it just, I'm a bit obsessed with the Silk Roads and um, the, just the history in that area. But for me, of all the places in Central Asia, Bukhara, because of the fort, it's got this incredible fort. I think it's called the Ark of Bukhara. And it's this amazing sort of, I can't describe it with my hands. It's like, it's 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 very, um, it's just, I can't, you need to get a picture of it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's this big, a sort of, yeah, really high walls, but they're kind of sloped and it's um, it's just epic. I think it's something like the fifth century BC it was, it was built. And oh, it's it just, it's so well preserved. Um, and it, I don't know, I just, I felt like I was back in time. Mm. I think it was the one place in Central Asia where I just really could imagine what this, what this would have been like, you know, as a network of, of different, um, towns all connected, you know, trading. And it just really had that essence of, I think like, you know, when you can just feel it in the air as mm. well, it just had this like really visceral feeling of just being an ancient, ancient place. And I just loved it. I'd love to go back. And just down the road, you've amazing. got Samarkand as well, yeah. which is also mental. Yeah, Samarkand. Uzbekistan but, is, yeah. That's Sam a good shout. I think is. Uzbekistan is very much underrated. Yeah, it's an incredible yeah. place. Yeah. Do you remember when you said earlier, like the, the moment that made you, how did find you yourself. Yeah, find yourself? For me, it was in Uzbekistan. Really? Yeah. Oh, On the side of a road. I saw those traffic lights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> traffic lights. I was like, oh my God, I just, this is it. This is, yeah. this what is all life. About. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, just lighting the whole, up holes. It's like arched and oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was so special about Samarkand for you? Uh, I mean, the, the the moment I was talking about wasn't in Samarkand. It was more like the actual moment. People I was with that, were, the specific moment I remember was like waking up while well, going to sleep next to a farm, uh, which is wild camping, and it was just we'd been driving all day. We we're exhausted. It was like three a.m. Uh, just when we was like going to sleep, I'm the last one to go to bed, and this donkey starts screaming. Just a, <laughs> the, the, we all started laughing because it was just I don't know the, the moment was just amazing. I remember waking up the next day and there was like cows everywhere, and we were just trying to get out of this place. And we're just like, wow, this is this is great. This is what yeah. I want my life to be like. And then we ended the day in Bukhara mm. and then in Samarkand, mm. um, and just this whole like the the feeling of I mean Samarkand is just stunning like, on top of being like historically really important and being filled with like life and just people everywhere in colors it is also like so stunning mm. the buildings the i don't know the, the yeah, you don't the mosaic the, you in, don't hear about it mm, no. yeah the mosaic like the murals are just amazing i just remembered my worst experience if you oh, want to oh, yes. oh there you go <laughs> okay so 
this is when we were I was on the rickshaw run um, Himalayan rickshaw run so the whole point of this of this particular rickshaw run is you're supposed to go over one of the highest motorable roads in the world and you do it's incredible you go through the Spiti Valley and you go up to Leh and it's in um, Himachal Pradesh and it's just it's it's one of the most incredible epic amazing places I've ever been um, except I got the worst food poisoning oh. I have ever had in my life and um, the reason I got this food poisoning is because you know you're in India so you're drinking bottled water all the time so my driver had um, actually filled up a bottle of, of tap water just for you know cleaning the windshield because it was really cold so she cleaned, you know, used that to clean the windshield. Um, so she didn't tell me which bottle it was, except she took the label off it and said, you know, well, she didn't actually even tell me. She just put it in the car, <laughs> in the rickshaw. So obviously you've got tons of bottles of water and I was just drinking any bottled water and I just got incredibly, incredibly sick. So I couldn't... At altitude as well? At altitude. So I wasn't sure if it was altitude sickness um, or what it was, but basically got to the point where I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't film anything. I couldn't use my camera. And I just I remember being in like a tea house at like 5,000 meters up, just kind of like in a ball. Just like, and, you know, you have to continue because we had to get to the finish line because, mm. you know, we had to complete it. So um, I just remember two days of being in this so like incredible landscape, just so, so sick. I couldn't see I couldn't see or do anything. And then eventually um, I think someone I, I, I you know got to a hotel and I basically was like, I'm not moving. This is, this is me done. And so they put me in a, in a taxi. So I got put in an actual car, which was slightly more comfortable than a rickshaw. And all I remember is just going over like the high, this highest, so the highest point, the highest motorable road, road in the world. And I was just like flat on my back in this taxi, just looking up at the sky, just like, sky's blue. This is it. <laughs> this is the moment. Um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty low point. Cause oh, just, that's uh, such a shame. Yeah, because I couldn't, because I felt bad because, you know, I couldn't, couldn't film anything, couldn't finish the job, like kind of, um, and like miss this big, big sort of moment which was a shame yeah but that you was, were there you failed I was there. <laughs> <laughs> two very different but then it was a kind of so interestingly I, when I actually ended up getting to lay and I had to go to the hospital because I was actually properly sick oh fuck yeah so because I couldn't take um any anti I couldn't take any antibiotics because I was too sick I kept I kept being sick so you couldn't keep them down and then I ended up going to an Indian hospital and having them there to like give me an injection of anti-nausea stuff so then I could take the, the medication. So I was fine. But I love going to hospitals in different countries because you just get to see. I know it's really weird. <laughs> it's the weird. last thing I want to do when I go to a place is go to a hospital. I know, but you see just like another side of life, I think. And I just, it's just really interesting. You're not wrong. Yeah. But, but to go to a hospital in Leh, which is like one of the highest towns, I think it's one of the highest towns in the world. It's like, you know, it's up, mm. up in the mountains. So it's just this really bizarre, like, really bizarre hospital in the mountains and just that's that it's just a strange experience like going through that whole thing so i don't know it, it kind of was a horrible experience but i thought it was kind of interesting well, at the same time. to see the silver lining and just be happy about what you experienced and that's it's literally what it's about <laughs> but also they made me better you know so then i got i got it's better true. and no, then i was like just so happy that i wasn't being sick anymore i went to a hospital in thailand because i got bitten by a snake and wow. I couldn't take my boot off because my ankle had like, I didn't think it was a snake. It, there was like one little puncture hole on my, on like my ankle. And um, I thought it was like an insect had bitten me and my foot just swelled up. And then it was hot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I went to the hospital because my foot was like fucking huge. They were like, oh, that's a, that's a snake bite. Oh so I had to take like a course of antibiotics and 
Yeah. <laughs> it like went blue, like oh. it, it properly flared up. So you didn't ever get to see the snake? No. Oh my God. I remember the moment it happened as well. Yeah. I was like itching it. Um, and then I, I went to one in Russia as well, which was, would not recommend going to the hospital <laughs> in Russia. What was that like? In New Zealand? Yeah. Uh, I've basically I had to call an ambulance and I woke up in the ambulance and uh, and then got loaded out and it was just a cold grey room full of people coughing mm. <laughs> and then I felt okay and I just got in a taxi and went home but it was that journey and you know the old UAS vans yeah yeah it was in one of those that's mm. just an ambulance and uh, that's like one of those things where you know you said you went back in time to mm. yeah yeah Bukhara. yeah I went back in time to like this grey Cold War. Soviet yeah. Cold War. I was like get, getting out of the I don't know why I'm shivering. It's just automatically snowing in my mind. But there's a peak of summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do uh, love that though. I love the I love anything that's super Soviet. Oh yeah. So yeah. good. It's yeah. Kyrgyzstan. Almost everywhere you stay in Kyrgyzstan is really Soviet. They have those really old Soviet blocks. I remember staying in one and it was just, yeah, this tiny little apartment and you literally like, they had a little stove, like a tiny thing and you'd like light a match and put the kettle on. It just felt like I'd gone back in time. Yeah. So cool. God, I really, really want to do Central Asia. I've only done Kazakhstan and that was just days and days of nothing. I feel like that's not a good a good sort of entry into Central Asia. Out of all the, the stands, Kazakhstan is probably... I mean, I associate it with like the shit part of my trip. Yeah. But um, the least like impressive one. People are amazing. I can say. That. Yeah. People are amazing. Scary. But yeah. One of one of the first but, Kazakh uh, people I met. I think I've told you this as well. He was a uh, he murdered oh, his murdered uncle his with uncle. a crossbow. Yeah, of what? course. Yeah. 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 Shot his uncle with a crossbow. <laughs> and he'd been lovely all day, and it was only when we invited him back to the hotel. And he was in our room that he then told us that he'd killed his uncle with a crossbow. Oh, my God. And it was really difficult to get out of the room. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was loads of us like, oh, we just need to pop down to the car to go and get some stuff if you guys want to come. <laughs> and then don't come back. <laughs> and yeah, and just try and try and get him out and then lock the door behind him. But uh, How did that come about that he was telling you that story? Um, Vodka? Yeah. Yeah, it was just excessive vodka mm -hmm. and a strange man in the corner of the room talking about... Initially, it was fighting, and then it got on to murder, and then he told us he murdered his uncle with a crossbow. Mm. It can't really escalate more than that. No. His auntie? His mother. Well, his mother, that takes it up a notch. Yeah. 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 That does take it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this note, we've reached like... We're on an hour 20. Hour. Nice one. Thank uh, you very much for coming on. Yeah. Le le thank you very much, Alex. Thank you. Um, is there anything you want to tell people to go and look at and see and do? Um, Georgia. Georgia. Go okay. to Georgia. I meant for you to promote <laughs> like yourself. Your work. Or oh, I like okay. that you're promoting <laughs> Georgia over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you go to Georgia. It's an amazing go country. Great food as well. Um, no. Oh, no. I am traveling in um, Saudi Arabia next year. I'm doing an expedition in electric vehicles. 
to cross the Nefer Desert. I should probably have talked about this. Yeah. What? Um, yeah, that's my next big thing I'm doing. So I'm joining. 2023. Yes, I'm joining a team, um, a really small team, and we're all we've all kind of got an expertise and. Basically, yeah, we've just putting together like a little sponsored trip to try and take electric vehicles across the Nethered Desert. No shit. What electric vehicle are you taking? Well, we haven't decided. We're in talks with different companies. Yeah. Yeah. So it would depend on who, who gives us the okay. But shit. So and yeah. where can we follow pick, that? Yeah, pick your brain about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's adventure. On yeah. Instagram. Well, we've or... got, yeah, it's on Instagram. We've got a website and we've got social media stuff. Yeah. What is it? Like it. Um, it's the Nethered Desert. <laughs> um, the Nether Desert Expedition is what it's called we'll link it in the yeah. description as well so Shit. you can go yeah. have a look i can't believe you. it took you an hour and 20 minutes to say this <laughs> i know but you're talking about things that happened in the past and i just forgot that that's something that i'm doing that's that sounds fucking cool yeah oh, i'm excited that's amazing well you'll you'll, um, you'll have to come back on if, if you want to uh to talk about this in uh 2023 yeah that's amazing sure. all right nice thank song. you very much alex and no we will see you next week bye bye At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.